It's good to be here with you today. Thank you to everybody who helped with the Hardy Harvest yesterday. It was an awesome event. It was just great to see uh, familiar faces coming and being prayed for and uh, to see our Elevate band playing music. And it was just a great day uh, to be a part of Fremont Community Church. Uh, all those Christmas times, just so you know, Christmas Eve uh, and Christmas Eve Eve are the same service both times. Um, but there's a, a flyer out there with all of that information. You can take it home, throw it on your fridge so that you'll know what's going on. But first, before we get to Christmas, we need to have Thanksgiving, right? Who's excited about Thanksgiving this week? I am very excited. Um, every uh, week we do something uh, called the Midweek Mashup, and it's a short video that goes out, and um, uh, if you haven't seen it before, you can check in. We, we do these each week, and it's kind of a recap of the sermon and also some of the things that like didn't fit into the sermon, some thought-provoking stuff. And this week, we had some controversy on our Midweek Mashup. I asked uh, Pastor Matt uh, what his favorite Thanksgiving food was and what was his least favorite Thanksgiving food. He said... He doesn't like any Thanksgiving food except for pumpkin pie. And he talked about how one time he ate an entire pumpkin pie instead of eating the other Thanksgiving food, and it didn't go well. I made a controversial statement myself, not nearly as controversial as him. So if you're coming with torches and pitchforks, it's him, not me. Uh, I said that my favorite Thanksgiving food is stuffing, and my least favorite is turkey. And uh, who else? Who else here is against turkey? You're an anti-turkey agenda. You wish there was something else. Who wants to, like, come at me right now? You love turkey, and you think I'm crazy for saying that. Anybody? We got one? Okay, we got a couple. Okay, all right. Uh, let's, let's do a little quick straw poll in here. Who's, who's, um, who loves cranberry sauce? Who hates it? <laughs> okay. Uh, who likes sweet potatoes over mashed potatoes? All right, who likes mashed potatoes over sweet potatoes? You are correct if your hand's up right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting booed by my own wife. Um, all right, pecan pie or pumpkin pie? Raise your hand for pecan pie. Oh, these are my people. We'll share a pie together. P pumpkin pie. Any other pie? Okay, all right, so okay, okay, okay. Um, last one. What's a controversial Thanksgiving food? Gizzards or no gizzards? Who's gizzards? Who's pro-gizzard? All right, there's my gizzard people. Anti-gizzards? <laughs> Who doesn't know what a gizzard is? Yeah, your parents protected you. Uh, <laughs> not mine. I love Thanksgiving, and uh, it is just a great week to just um, set our hearts upon giving thanks to God for who he is and all that he's done in our lives. And as we continue this series on soul care, uh, we're focusing on the practice of giving thanks. Last week, I shared that gratitude um, uh, has been scientifically proven to make us healthier physically, psychologically, and even have healthier relationships. God wired us this way, and so it's good for us to pursue gratitude in our lives. And so I spoke about a few things. First, about being thankful for the gifts that God has given us. He has showered out blessing on us. But from there, we need to move from thanks for the gifts to looking up to being thankful to the giver. Thankful for the giver. Um, it's not just what we receive from him. It's that he gives us himself, and we see his goodness and power on display in our lives. And that leads to worship. Thankfulness leads to worship. When we realize how amazing the giver is, how awesome God is, how good he is, we worship. We look for ways in every area of our life that we might bring him glory. Yeah, we worship in song and prayer, but we also worship with the way we love others. 
We put God, God's glory on display for all to see through our actions, not just our words. And so this week, uh, things are a little trickier. This week, uh, we're talking about how to be thankful in the midst of suffering. How, how do we practice thanksgiving when it feels like there's not a whole lot to be thankful for? Last week, I used this analogy of training for a race, right? And, and to be successful, we got to put the right things in our body. We need to eat the right things, proper nutrition, right? But it's not just that. I can't just eat healthy and then be a really good runner. I have to train, too. I have to put in the work and in the miles. This week, I was Googling some horror stories of, of bad race training. One guy ran a whole marathon chain-smoking the whole time. Now, that's probably more, you know, applicable to last week, but I thought that was hilarious, and I wanted to share that with you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, another person did no training at all and just showed up and said, let's see if I can do this. They had to go home halfway through, uh, went to bed, came back and ran the rest of the race the next day, even though they'd already taken down all the race stuff. They didn't technically finish, but it took them two days to finish the marathon, right? Another person was really athletic, and sometimes really athletic people, they can get in their heads, well, this is not going to be that hard. I can do it. Basically trained for a 5K and then tried to run a marathon. And while this person was athletic enough to actually accomplish it, it was brutal. The, the people were passing by uh, that looked way less athletic than this guy. He's cramping up the whole time. He's physically getting sick. He, he has to walk for a huge portion of it. And he does cross the finish line, but not without a whole lot of pain and recovery needed. And if life is like a race, and this is an analogy that I've pulled from Scripture. I didn't make it up myself. It's an analogy used over and over again in the Bible. We must always be training. And so we're going to look at a few passages uh, from the Apostle Paul today that help us to understand what this is like. How do we train for gratitude, for, for walking in thankfulness as we chase after Jesus? 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 24 through 27 says this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's talking about preparation. Preparation. Training to follow Jesus' hard work. Paul is using strong language here. He's saying we've got a goal in mind and we've got to, we've got to prepare. We've got to prepare and train ourselves for it. And it's not going to be easy. There are times that are going to be painful, but the prize is worth it. And crossing the finish line is worth it. His point here is that we will not win this race by accident. We will not com complete this, this life, which is more like a marathon that goes up and down Mission Peak over and over again, than it's like a, a 5K, right? It's not a sprint. It's a journey, and it's a hard one, and it faces all sorts of obstacles. And when, when you're a runner, you, you understand what this phrase means. Uh, runners often say they hit a wall. In the middle of a run, they're like, my legs are not doing what I'm, my brain is telling them to do. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. My lungs can't give me enough oxygen to keep going. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. And then mentally, you start spinning, and you want to quit, and you keep telling yourself, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. But the only way to make it through those walls, the only way to keep going, 
is the months of training that you've put into it. It's muscle memory in your leg. It's getting a second wind. That's what runners call it. It's mentally remembering all the training runs that you did where you broke through walls before and you finished your goal. You need all of that, but it only comes through training, through preparation. And so what I'm saying today is that we must practice thanksgiving in preparation for when we hit a wall in life. If we're not practicing gratitude regularly when life is good and when the walls we run through are paper thin, then how are we going to keep going when suffering comes and the walls feel like four inches of concrete? Last week I talked about the benefits of gratitude and studies have shown that soldiers who have seen combat that have the regular practice of gratitude in their life experience far less PTSD than those who don't practice gratitude. They experienced the same traumatic things. They ran up against the same wall, but they were more equipped to keep going. They had this general mindset that they saw themselves as blessed people. And and, and that comes by practicing gratitude. It comes by training to look for blessings as a normal practice of life. Regularly looking for the ways that God has poured out his love and grace in you. And when you do that, you become really good at seeing blessing even amongst hard times. The reality is, we all hit walls when we run this race. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when tragedy strikes, there's no way to be totally ready for the pain we'll experience. For many of us, for a time, it will stop us in our tracks, or at least, <laughs> at least we'll be you know, slowed down for a bit. But by training ourselves with gratitude as a normal habit under normal circumstances, as a normal part of our prayer rhythm, we can help our future selves when we hit those walls. We can break through. And we may come out limping on the other side, but with our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can keep going. So my hope and prayer for you is that you're not currently in a time of suffering and pain right now. I hope that's your reality. But that doesn't mean there's no takeaway today. Let's train ourselves during these times. Let's commit to ourselves and to each other to pursue gratitude, to train ourselves in gratitude, to let it change our perspective until, until we see things that maybe we missed before. We see the blessings all around us in the people that God has given us. We see the blessing in the fact that we can have closeness with God himself. Let's not take him for granted, but instead let's tell him each and every day that we are thankful. For others in here, you may, you may be in a season of hardship and pain right now. You know, we, we've got families in our church who are grieving loss of loved ones. Um, we continue to pray for Steve Jolly and, and his whole family as they mourn the loss of June and, and for the life of, of, of um, Judy Lloyd, who passed away this week and has been a part of our church for a long time and, and her family and all that they're going through and her friends that were a part of her life group that are just mourning and grieving her loss. That's the reality of life is this hits us all at one time or another. But I'm going to take a look at another passage and hope that we can be encouraged by this, even if we're in the midst of a suffering season right now. And it's actually the benediction uh, from last week that, that Alan shared with us. It's in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. When I see that, 
honestly, the cynical part of me is like, that sounds really nice on a coffee mug. But all circumstances rejoice always. Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what, what pain I'm experiencing right now? You want me to give thanks in this circumstance? This is tough. This is tough because, honestly, sometimes this stuff sounds phony, right? It sounds like, is this real? Can I actually believe this? But I, I really do. I actually believe in times of suffering, when we've hit a wall in this race, we can actually have both gratitude and honesty about the reality of our life. And I actually think honesty is really important. Honesty is really important. Have you ever had someone say careless words to you in the midst of a hard time? I've, uh, you know, as a pastor, I've, I've had the privilege to minister to people in, in their darkest times. And I've done a lot of funerals. And, and I've often heard people say things to those who are going through times of serious grief, serious tragedy, just things that sound good and Jesus-y, but, but aren't. You know, I remember hearing one time somebody say to someone who, who is grieving a tragic loss and say, you know, God just needed another angel in heaven. And, and you know, another time somebody throw around this phrase, you know, everything happens for a reason. And somebody else say, you know, this too shall pass. And I bring those up not to shame anybody because I think it's, it comes from a good place of trying to help. But first, the first two phrases are just not even theologically accurate, right? God needed another angel. First of all, God doesn't need any help. He doesn't need anything from us. And we don't become angels when we die, okay? No matter what all dogs go to heaven taught me, it's just not how it works, <laughs> okay? Um, it's kind of a weird movie. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, you know, all things happen for God's reason. God didn't cause this tragedy. I don't believe for a second that God causes cancer or accidents or abuse or these things that happen to us in our lives that overwhelm us with grief and pain. He works amidst those circumstances. He brings beauty from ashes. But he didn't do this to me. That's really hard to hear. It's really hard to hear when you're grieving. They're not helpful statements. They can even be hurtful. Even something like this, this too shall pass. While might be true, it doesn't do anything about the fact that right now I'm in agony. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, this too will pass. Probably when I'm face to face with the Lord and he wipes every tear from my eye because there are some tragedies and hurts that run so deep that the pain never fully goes away. It doesn't help anyone to say careless words or to try to minimize pain. It doesn't help us to be dishonest. You know, one situation I was in that, that was hard to shake was, um, many of you have heard the story about, uh, about our son Kieran and how he had to have open heart surgery. And when uh, we found out about this, we were scared. We were overwhelmed. We were grieving. And we didn't even know what we were grieving. And what we were grieving were all the what-ifs. All the worst case scenario things that come into your head when you get a diagnosis like that. And we were terrified. And so we're asking everyone for prayer. Asking everyone, please pray. Pray for us. Pray for our son. And uh, someone in a group of, of pastors' spouses um, said to my wife, Adrian in the midst of this prayer request, hey, don't even worry about it. You know, Jesus is going to come back before he's ever going to need that surgery. First of all, Wrong. <laughs> the prediction didn't play out. And second of all, not helpful. In fact, it was more of like a spiritual guilt trip. 
Don't you have enough faith? You don't need to worry about this. That's what it felt like. So instead of having a place to process and, and talk through this and have people pray over her, it now became a thing of like, what's wrong with me that I don't have that kind of faith, right? It wasn't helpful. It was painful. Why am I saying all this? <laughs> Aren't I supposed to be the one convincing you that you can be grateful in all circumstances, even the worst ones? Yes. But I'd say this, one, as a pastor to our congregation, let us not offer up careless words to someone who is struggling and hurting. Let's not, in our own discomfort with other people's pain, uh, use easy scriptures to try to help them get over it. In the midst of someone else's pain, if you don't know what to say, that is okay. Let me tell you what you can say. I'm here. Is there anything I can get for you? I'll sit here with you while you cry as long as you need. That's enough. That's plenty. But I also share this because when I talk about gratitude in the face of suffering, I want to be really clear that I'm not talking about lying to ourselves. I'm not talking about pretending like everything is okay. These words of Paul, if they're offered up carelessly to give thanks in all circumstances, if they're offered up carelessly in, 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 in difficult circumstances, it can almost seem cruel, but I think it's important to remember who is writing these words. One of the sources for uh, this series that we're using is, is called um, The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, and I like that. Anybody ever been a grumbler? I can be a grumbler. Uh, <laughs> And it's just a great book about thanksgiving. But, but on these verses, this is what the author Dustin Crow says. Let me remind you. He wrote some of these words in prison. Paul doesn't prod us towards thanksgiving from an ivory tower. He pens them as a captive facing impending death. But nothing, not prison, pain, or even death will silence his praise. The Apostle Paul, he's talking about, has faced so many hardships. He's faced sickness, shipwrecks, prison, beatings. He's seeing his friends being killed for their faith, and he knows that's probably going to be my end too. That's what's waiting for me. And we know with hindsight that that was. He was martyred for his following of Jesus. And he's not saying these words to manipulate or to try to convince us to lie to ourselves that everything is okay. No, he's seen all of this pain, and in the midst of it, he still gives thanks. And he says, this is God's will for our lives. Well, why? Well, the truth is, is if we can't find goodness, if we can't look for the blessings even amongst the tragedy, it'll crush us. We'll be overwhelmed by it. I don't know if you've ever been through something so hard that you didn't see the other side of it, but it is overwhelming sometimes. And so what does it look like? What does it look like to, to go through these things, to, to look for the blessings in our life? Well, for us, it, 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 we weren't thanking God for congenital heart defects. Let me, let me be clear about that. I don't think that was from God. I don't thank God for that, but here's what I do thank God for in that circumstance. I thank God that while we were traveling to visit our family in Virginia Beach, Kieran got a sinus infection because we had to go to an urgent care instead of our regular doctor. And at 11 months old, this was the first doctor who ever heard his heart murmur that every other doctor had missed. I thank God for that. I thank God for the Cleveland Clinic and for Lurie Children's Hospital. I thank God for, for family who watched Kendall through every appointment. I thank God that these friends of mine knew I was 
completely overwhelmed, and they came to eat lunch with me at Lurie Children's while the surgery was going on. I thank God for doctors who are brilliant. I thank God who is the creator of all things and the healer of all things. I don't thank God for the circumstance, but I thank God for how he showed up in the circumstance. We were able to experience the power of giving thanks in all circumstances. Paul's faith was tested by trials and tribulations, and he gives his words of faith to us because of what? Because of a couple of things. First, if it's not resurrection, it's not the end of the story. We have hope that this life is not all there is. For Paul, we run this race of faith no matter how hard it is because the reward is waiting for us. At the finish line that we call new life, the finish line we call resurrection, this is what Revelation says it's going to be like. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. If it's not resurrection, it's not the end of the story. We sing a song around here sometimes, and I, I was actually wor- worshiping to it on the way here this morning. It's a song called Behold, and I love this song because it's a hope that we have in Christ. The singer quotes the Apostle Paul saying, we've been struck down, we're not destroyed. We've sown in tears, we'll reap in joy. That's singing further about the resurrection. The song says, the sad, untrue, the earth renewed, the song has found its singer, the darkness, light, the dead, alive. You are my redeemer. Paul knows this is not the end. Resurrection is coming. The second thing he believed and he experienced is the real comfort of knowing Jesus. The real comfort of knowing Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also share Uh, Sorry, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Let me read that last line again. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. We receive comfort when we remember that Jesus suffered. We receive comfort when we remember that Jesus suffered. And, And why should that bring us comfort? Because it shows us God's heart for us in the midst of our suffering. When we go through tragedy and pain, we have all sorts of questions, but the reality is, in the midst of that pain, even if you had answers to your question, do you think it would take the pain away? No, it doesn't. So when we cry out to God and we say, why? We may not get a satisfying answer or any answer at all except this, the promise of his comfort and his presence. In Jesus, we see a God who is not far from us in our pain. 
In fact, he became human. He subjected himself to our experience. Hebrews tells us that he faced every temptation and every hardship that we face in this life. The prophet Isaiah said that he would suffer to forgive us our sins, but he would also suffer to redeem our suffering. He sees our pain and he didn't run from it then and he doesn't run from it now. He draws near. It's true, I believe it and I've experienced it, but I've also witnessed way more powerful things uh, in other people's stories. I've witnessed people empowered by God who are able to give thanks amidst the worst imaginable tragedies. I've seen God's power on display as people offer forgiveness to others for the most awful offenses. I've seen people find ways to press on in the strength of Christ through their suffering and then go on to be able to help others in their time of need. We see it here every week with divorce care. It's incredible to see how God uses the stories of our amazing divorce care leaders to step into other people's lives and say, hang in there, there's hope in Christ, we can do this together. I've seen people who've encountered Jesus. The Jesus that Isaiah said is a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He met them there in their darkest places and whispered to them, I've been where you are, I can relate, I'm here with you now, we can do this together. I'm gonna ask you, hit play on this, this video here. And maybe you've seen this before on YouTube or maybe you were watching live the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Derek Richmond right here tore his hamstring in the middle of the 400 meter semifinal. And he wanted to finish, so look at him. He's limping, he's last place, but he's gonna keep going. And then out of nowhere, his dad jumps on the track And the crowd starts to go nuts, by the way, when they see the dad. The dad makes his way on the track to help his son. And my favorite part of the video is coming up. He's saying, put your arm around me. Put your arm around me. I've got you. I've got you. And then the favorite part's coming up. This dude's going to come out of nowhere and try to, like, get them off the track. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here he comes. Hey, we've got to get these guys off the track. Watch the dad. Get out of here. Get out of here, dude. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> and what does he do? He's saying, nothing is going to stop me from getting my son across that finish line. Not this injury. Not any random dude trying to shoo me off the track. We're going to cross this finish line together. Amidst this terrible physical pain. And here they come, together, arm in arm, father and son. They cross the finish line. I love that. I love that video so much. When we win, run into a wall in life, we can press on, not simply because God is on the other side of the wall, but he's also at our side. He is the finish line, but he's also helping us make it to the finish line. He's propping us up on his shoulder as he helps us limp along. We can be grateful that, that even though it seems like all is lost and there is nothing good in the midst of difficult circumstances, even when we see no gifts to be thankful for, we always have one gift that this fallen world can never take away from us. And that gift is the giver himself. 
because God became human, Jesus Christ. He suffered so that he can meet with me and with you in our suffering. He gives us comfort and peace and hope. He gave himself, he gave his very life so that I may live, that you may live, and one day he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. And maybe you're not a crier, but that's going to be a lot of tears for me. (laughs) We can give thanks that because even in the worst time, he's not far. He's present. He's helping us break through the walls of life. He's waving off everything and everyone that gets in our way, and he helps us limp toward that finish line like the father in this video. So this week, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Let's let Thanksgiving be a catalyst, not just for one day or for one week. Let's let Thanksgiving be a catalyst for a life of gratitude. Let's keep forming the habit of cultivating gratitude. I want to encourage you again, like I did last week, to start keeping a gratitude journal if you haven't already, but, but not just listing what we're thankful for. That's the first part. Have three columns, there are three questions that guide your gratitude journal. The first one is, what am I grateful for? That's where we give thanks for the gifts. And the second one is, who am I grateful to? We recognize the giver. We praise God for his attributes. And then we ask ourselves, what am I going to do with this? Worship. How can I put God's glory on display for others to experience his goodness? When we do this, when we make this a regular habit, what we're doing is we're training ourselves with gratitude so that we may be prepared when life hits a wall. We can be honest with ourselves. We can live in the tension of honesty about how bad our circumstances are and still find reasons to be grateful. And we do all this with the hope that if we're suffering, that means it's not the end of the story. Resurrection and healing is on the way. And we also do this in the comfort of knowing that Jesus is with us. He didn't abandon us when we were lost in our sin and suffering, and he doesn't abandon us now. He came and he suffered on our behalf. He hasn't left us, he hasn't forsaken us, and he never will. I invite the band to come back up, but I just want to close in prayer and just offer up thanksgiving to the Lord this morning for who he is and what he's done. Pray with me. Lord, we... We come this morning with a mix of joy and sorrow. We come this morning with the realities of life and the despair that sometimes come with that. We also come recognizing the many, many ways that we are blessed. And we give thanks for if nothing else, You have given us yourself. You've given us Jesus Christ, your son, to come and take on all that it means to be human. You suffered for my sin, Lord, but you also meet with me in my own suffering. You redeem it all. And if there's nothing else in the world to be thankful for, there's that, and that lasts for eternity. Thank you for the hope of eternity that you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. It's hard to experience and feel that now, Lord. But we draw near to you in hope, knowing, believing that resurrection is in our future. We give you thanks for the people who are around us right now, for the people who will be around us around tables this week. 
You have loved us through people. You have shown us your care through people. You have blessed us time and time again with each other. God, every good gift comes from you. Help us to recognize that. For those who are suffering right now, who are in pain, who are mourning, God, be near, be their comfort, be their peace. Help us to embody that. Help us to draw near, not with nice sounding quotes or easy answers, but with presence, with a shoulder to cry on, with a meal or whatever tangible way we can love. God, this week, let us continue to cultivate gratitude. Let us live lives of gratitude that each day we would count our blessings, but we would also be prepared for those times when the storm hits, when we need, we need to remember just how good you are and how much you love us. We worship you knowing that you, you gave everything for us. How we respond with gratitude and worship from our hearts and our songs today, but we also wanna respond with our lives. Help us to live lives that worship you. That you gave everything for us. God, help us to do our best to give everything back to you. In Jesus' name.